Hi, my name's Becca. And I'm Morgan. And my name's Danelle. And this is a Listen Up podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Listen Up podcast. The show dedicated to opening up real conversations on some of society's biggest issues and cultural topics. We're so excited to be finally doing this. Morgan, what are we talking about on this first episode? On today's episode, we'll be discussing social media, the good, the bad and performative. This episode is specifically dedicated to conversations surrounding social media and the Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to make reference to lots of posts in this episode and we'll share them all on our Instagram, at the Listen Up Podcast. We're also going to be using this space to share any other resources that we find and we want to hear from you. So get involved in the conversation and share your thoughts on all the topics we cover today. Let's get right into this. It's time to listen up. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Social media for our generation is it's just so ingrained in our life. Like, for me, I think now I get most of my news from social media. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah. with things like at the moment with Black Lives Matter and that like you're saying the whole movement wouldn't have started if it wasn't for social media. But social media has such a good side. Like we're sharing resources, we're educating each other. We can see these protests happening. We're like telling people that protests are happening. People are finding out about stuff so much quicker. If we didn't have social media, we would be digesting our information in such a different way. Because I think from our generation to parents' generation and grandparents, they're still digesting media in such a traditional format where it is so much more biased. Like there's no denying that traditional media is biased. Whereas I think social media is really good at opening your eyes to both sides. There are issues like I think my Twitter, for example, I follow people who are like me. So I'm going to see stuff that is more oriented towards my way of thinking. And yeah, maybe that's a bit dangerous, but you're also seeing so much other stuff. Like I try every day to look at the trending stuff on Twitter and that's how I take my news in. I don't know about you guys. I think um, it's difficult because traditional news is obviously it's completely biased. But I think the problem is that a lot of people take both traditional and social media at face value. They don't actually do the research after that. So like, oh, with like the going back to what was going on in America was it last week um, with the protests it was like oh, all these people are like looting and it's like all these people or like a very small minority of people who probably aren't even protesters people who are one the police that's a good example and we in the video footage on social media proved that if you don't do the research and you just read one thing and you go for it you're probably wrong anyway like of course media can be right but like if you don't do enough research or like look into another source, you're only taking the first thing at face value and you're just absorbing that and assuming that's right. And most of the time it's wrong. How they word it on um, uh, traditional media, it's just really biased. Yeah, it's, it's so wrong. I mean, with these protesters yesterday, like outright racist protesters, traditional media put an article up saying the um, anti-racist critics an anti-racist critic is that's a double negative you're saying like a critic of an anti-racist just call it a racist like i get that certain news outlets aren't allowed to say certain things they probably can't just outright call somebody racist on like live television or in an article but it's like why are we twisting our words so much that it gets more confusing they do it to confuse me yeah a hundred percent like what and then you just don't get it 
and it defeats the them actually telling you that they're racist it's so that you don't you don't realize that they're racist but we're not stupid so yeah and i think like there's we're definitely us as a generation are so much better at actually reading into the news and what the news means i think yeah maybe um us three as individuals probably have a bit more of an advantage there and that we we've studied this like that's literally what our degree was was looking into like critical readings and how to read or what something's saying but i think with accessibility on twitter people are now almost it's like citizen journalism isn't it like people are putting their own thoughts out there and it makes it so much more accessible because you're talking in normal speak like you're literally someone's digesting a news article and saying oh well actually this article said this 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 and this which is not right or that is poor writing this is what it is in plain english and people then go oh yeah actually that article is so biased and we're becoming aware that what we're reading is biased whereas i think people who are that you say reading that traditional media even if it's online it's still like the people behind it are still have that those biases um it's a lot i think those the people who read that just as a generation aren't looking so deeply into what they're actually reading like they're not researching it they're just reading it and taking it for face value like you said but there's definitely like bad sides to social media maybe like performativity performativity is kind of how it sounds in that it's a performance like people are they're putting on a show yeah people are literally putting on a show on their social media or however in life to kind of appease people maybe and i think with social media especially as a result of the black lives matter movement and a lot of people sharing resources which is great like i don't think i don't want to undermine how good it is that we're sharing resources and making it more accessible but it's so easy to slip into that position of just being performative posting stuff just because you feel like you have to mm. the whole blackout tuesday is probably the easiest way to see it I've ever yeah. seen my life. I saw like some people reacted differently to that as well because some people were like calling out um, other people. Oh, are you actually doing work offline? How yeah. would you know this? Um, which is like, I don't know. Just like you don't have to tell everyone to do um, the same thing as you because you don't know what people are doing offline. They might be reading like books or and being on more informative and stuff like that. I think that's the problem. I think it's one of those things where we're so absorbed by social media that we think that everything needs to be shown on social media. I don't do a lot of my, I do post my Instagram story and I posted um, not just not just because of like what's been going on, but I posted previously about like other people. Um, but I'm not going to go on my social media and be like, okay, so today I read this book, do I watch this? You don't know. Some people don't use social media as a way to promote things people do a lot offline and i think mm-hmm. that's like the line between like oh you're being performative and like oh you're not doing anything offline is so blurry because everyone expects you to post on social media to prove you're an ally but then they complain that you're not an ally you're just doing it to be performative it like really is annoying because blackout tuesday had good intentions i've seen a few different things like apparently it was about um something else it was for um originally it was for like the music industry like i think it was like black musicians had started it as far as i'm aware and it was a thing in the music industry that they were like look we're gonna not be promoting our music it's like we're not promoting if we've got a new video coming we're not promoting it we're taking our stuff off social media so that the important stuff can be seen and 
we're not clogging up a feed, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where it then didn't happen because people then saw, oh, okay, Blackout Tuesday, cool. And took it as, let's post a black square, yeah. which then meant that your whole Instagram feed was clogged up with black squares. Really annoying. <laughs> I was like, is my phone broken? Um, but I think that in itself is also so hard because I think people did have good intentions behind it. People yeah. thought it was some sort of thing to show solidarity, which is great. Yeah. But it's that back to that whole thing of people aren't actually doing research before they go ahead and join in on something. They're just jumping on a bandwagon because yeah, 100%. it's something to be doing. And they, yeah, and it, kind of the meaning was completely lost because especially when people then started hashtagging their stories with the Black Lives Matter hashtag, which meant then that when you clicked on the Black Lives Matter hashtag, it was black squares. And it was like, I think it was something like 100,000 posts at least were just coming up on Instagram with black squares. And yeah. the work that had been going on for the past two weeks where people were sharing resources or sharing stuff about protest information using that hashtag, it was it led to a form of censorship. Like we had created censorship, I guess maybe probably accidentally. Um, I don't know, I don't want to go into any conspiracy theories about it. <laughs> but like people who had good intentions, who hadn't done any reading, tagged their stuff with this Black Lives Matter, all played part in this bigger system where we've now literally censored so much information. I think it was, again, it was, it was most of it. I say most, again, I can't um, hold anyone accountable for what they've done. But I think a lot of it was done with good intentions because I did see a lot of people saying like, okay, educate, they put in their caption like, educate yourself, mm-hmm. like, I'm doing this offline, blah, blah, blah. But you could just tell that was, uh, I think, again, it was to do with pressure from other people because you yeah. can, I've spoken to a lot of people and they said like, yeah, a lot of people I've seen have not said anything, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and then, then the next day they're like, they posted this like blackout square. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of performative, but I also understand. I like. I understand that they felt they had to do it. Not everyone, obviously, but they had to do it for like to make it seem like they're an ally. You don't have to make it seem like they're an ally. You just ally. You just have to be doing something. Yeah. awful online. Like you don't have to prove yourself to anyone, which is why like I didn't post that as soon as soon as I saw that first like the first like three in the in that morning. I was like, um, because it was just annoying because I could just kept seeing them and I was like, you're not doing anything, and I know you're not doing anything. You've just posted this to be like, I'm an ally. And I'm like, but I guess that is bad of me because they could have been doing something offline, but at the same time, I know you weren't. <laughs> We've like created this whole culture of like accusing people. Like I think it's so yeah. easy now to just, yeah, we have like, I think council culture has become such a part of just general life now that if someone isn't doing something, they're doing it wrong. If they have done it, they're doing it too much. Like you can never do something right anymore. No. in like the world of social media I think some people do share some people don't I mean I know that I personally was sharing some stuff that I saw probably sharing more than I normally do because I think it became so much more accessible and I think I definitely had got caught up in the the whole like steam of it and getting a bit angry about why everything was going on but I know that my following is predominantly white like mm-hmm. there's no denying that and I think kind of going from that background of I feel privileged that I've been able to have these discussion with my friends who are from different backgrounds and I've been studying it like I think to me it kind of is just it's constantly kind of whirling around in the back of my head whereas I have lots of family members who follow me on Instagram like my younger um, family members you probably are a bit more like closed off from these conversations trying to share it to maybe encourage them just to click on one thing I think helps yeah. but it is so easy to then fall into that trap of 
what point am I doing too much? And like now I've kind of taken a step back because this week I've been doing all like sort of research for this. I've been doing research in my own time, but I haven't been sharing it. And I'm now like, oh, do I look like I'm now not doing enough because I shared loads last week, but I'm not sharing anything this week. Like it's it's a constant feeling of guilt. And I, th- I think I saw something um, and it was like, if you feel guilty, you're privileged. It's your- A hundred percent. I was like, wow, that's really hit the nail on the head kind of thing. Yeah, it was, I think it was something like if imagine um, there's something, oh, what was it? It was something about like, just be grateful that you're able to educate yourself from racism rather than experiencing it. Yeah, I think there was so many stuff like that. And yeah, it, it was like, it really kind of hit home. But actually, I think it's kind of easy to forget your privilege until you're then so starkly reminded it on things like social media, which is awful. Like, it's awful that I need to be reminded of my privilege. Mm. Um, but it does happen. Like, social media is such a good way to kind of go, actually, like, kind of just reevaluate your way of thinking. And um, you shared some really good posts with me about evaluating what you're posting as a white person. I think that's so important just to actually evaluate what you're posting rather than just going ahead and posting it. I think one of the best things I saw, I already mentioned this to both of you, um, was when, especially now, <laughs> when um, it was like tag 10 friends and don't stop the chain. Mm. When I saw that, no offence. Um, I, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this has not become, who was, my first thought was, who the hell created this? Because mm-hmm. they obviously thought, oh, I can start this trend. And it's like, this isn't a trend. These are people who have been fighting for their lives, who are being killed, who are like, just even watching the videos on social media of like the police beating people at protests had me like, what is going on? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm the, the thing that like I can directly contrast with that is when lockdown started um, in England, London, UK, um, and everywhere. It was the draw the carrot. It was like oh, yeah, yeah. tag someone to finish. They don't do like emails, don't they? Yeah, and I was like. That's the first thing, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I remember this carrot happening like six weeks ago and now you're, Trent, you think that by like adding 10 people, you've completely stopped racism. <laughs> what? Mm. And the thing that annoyed me the most was that celebrities were doing it. That's just them being like really narrow-minded and really ignorant to what the, what the message of that was. But you promote to your millions of followers that that's, oh, this is the thing we can do to help solve racism. It's like, this does nothing. You, again, are being informative. You're, again, doing nothing. It doesn't educate anyone. It literally does nothing. It just pretends you're an ally. Like, oh, my God, look at me. I can t- I tag 10 people to stop racism. And it's like, mm-hmm. it literally does nothing. And it really, 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 really annoys me. <laughs> I think it's like, it was such an easy thing for, like, making people feel guilty as well. Because I know that, like, I got tagged in it. And I was like, if I don't post this, am I then looking bad? Like somebody's gonna have their way to say that you're, you'll, you'll repost this. Then it, I had a lot of like internal thoughts. Like, do I repost it? Do I not repost it? Is that person then gonna think that I'm not? Um, Cause it was all about like showing your solidarity, wasn't it? It's like, mm. if I don't post this, am I then not showing my solidarity? And all these people are gonna know that I've been tagged in it. But like, there was so many thoughts. And I think it was another method of just making people feel guilty. Yeah, 100%. And it's like the feeling that you're obligated to do it. I think it's one of those things where it's difficult because it's thoughtless, like, because social media is such a, like, instant, like, oh, if I just add this to my story, if I just do this, people don't think about the connotations of what they're actually doing. Like, even, not even specifically in regards to that, but in regards to anything, just posting something on your story is just so easy to do. Like, you don't really Mm -hmm. think about it. 
unless you sit there and you're like drawing things that you actually have to and it's like a an advertisement you've not got to think about what you're posting you just compost it so I think a lot of people jumped on that like bandwagon of oh if I just do this it will that's it I ain't got nothing else but it's like no no there's a lot you still need to do there's a lot I still need to do just because I'm half black doesn't mean I know about the history of the world I think being on the other side of the world is really one of the things so like there's so much in like the Middle East we never hear about all the stuff that's mm. going on, like Yemen and stuff 100 percent. like when I I've been reading up on it because I saw something on again social media it really does sometimes hype like highlight things that are going on and I they're having this huge huge crisis and like no one's speaking about it because we're too busy talking about like all this random stuff that like no one cares about and it just annoys me because as much as they're not on our doorstep we hear about all these like we I can't even think about like all this like stupid celebrity stuff that they talk about in the media obviously like certain things of that we do need to know like the I can't think like obviously not to be controversial um, <laughs> but like Prince Andrew mm-hmm. that's something you can't is going to be in the media okay I understand yeah. that but I don't need to know that like oh my god this person stepped out for a walk you should Literally. be talking about things that are happening in the world that are actually yeah, yeah exactly it's hard though because I think so much of the, those kind of like gossipy stories that we see on social media we do need as well because social media to so many people is a form of escapism oh. Oh. Like, and the problem is at the moment and I know it's it's a thing that from speaking to lots of different friends like particularly my black friends at the moment they don't have that form of escapism like they can't go onto social media and kind of just escape for a bit like you're not every single thing you're seeing at the moment is about black lives matter and obviously it, it can be triggering for some people like it it can be exhausting to be constantly reading about it so it, it's so hard to make that perfect balance i don't think that a perfect balance exists but no because you do need to hear about these important things like like you're saying i hadn't heard about what was happening in yemen until you shared that post and then i had a little read up on it and it was like this is awful why isn't this in mainstream media yeah, it's difficult because again mainstream media is run by like four families in the world so like mm-hmm. you're only going to get what they want to give um but they, they post the same thing, like, every day. But then they can just... Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I know that, like, the show... Like, especially on the Daily Mail, um, they have, like, a showbiz section where they talk about, like, oh, my God, this person, like, bought a Chanel bag and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, like, this is the thing that annoys me the most. So they'll write, like, six articles on the same thing mm-hmm. on the same newspaper. They'll have six different people write six different articles about it in six different ways telling you the same thing. They could just write one article on what and mm. other people to do research and other things. And that's why mm. not because we miss out on such vital information in the world. And then when we see it, we're like, that happened like a year ago. What the hell? Mm-hmm. I think one of the like the most stark reminders of how like I bias the media world is is the other day going into a shop and looking at the newspapers when everything is happening about Black Lives Matter, there are protests on the street. You cannot physically ignore it. And the front cover of every single paper was about Madeleine McCann and the fact that they found potentially a new suspect. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's part of a huge case and people are interested in it, but they're so good at, like, the whole point of the media is they post what people want to hear. But Mm. the people that want to hear it is a certain demographic. So like, oh yeah, let's just ignore everything that's happening about Black Lives Matter and post about Madeleine McCann. And then... The next day, it's framing it in a bad light. It's like, okay, well, Black Lives Matter is definitely impacting COVID because all these people are yeah. coming together. 
it's like they have such a way of like wrangling the information to to tell the story that they want to tell and that they think people want to hear. They're very clever. They they are. There's no denying that they are deceitful though. It's all about um, distractions, mm-hmm. distracting people from the real matters that are going on in the world. Instead, they <clears throat> they like shovel all this like shit at you. That's like, oh, you'll really care about this. Like, you'll really read this. And it's like, it's informative, but that's not what I want to hear about. Like you saw on social media, a lot of people are like, you're actually taking the mic. Like, um, the contrast between like, oh, thousands flock to beaches for hot weather, and then it's like, these black protesters. Oh, yeah. COVID, second wave. I'm like, you've just defeated the point. It doesn't make mm-hmm. any the, the media just has such an agenda. And it's true. Like, I think if you com- if you combine that with they've finally shown you what you want to see, but they've not mm-hmm. said it in a way that's like they've tried to pretend they're showing solidarity. Like, oh don't worry, we're not racist. We're gonna we're showing you these anti-racists, but they're just racists. That's like the same thing as well. Like I've heard of um, a lot of big companies as well. Yeah, they show black culture, like they try to embrace it. But then when it comes to the movement of like Black Lives Matter, they don't really say anything about it. They just keep silent. A prime example is Starbucks. They like posted something on their Instagram. It was about how like they're committed to like learning and being like open and blah, blah, blah. And like we support Black Lives Matter. And then this article went up from like people who worked there who said that they've been told by Starbucks that they weren't allowed to wear anything that promoted Black Lives Matter in their stores. And then they it really kicked up and they got such bad backlash about it that they then were like, we are making these pins and they're coming in the post and like you can all wear it. And they were like, you weren't saying this the other day. You're only saying this because you've got backlash. It was literally like on June the 4th, they had tweeted about... Um, Black Lives Matter, they're committed to being part of the change and they tweeted a load of educational resources. And then June the 11th, so what's that, six days, seven days later, everybody, um, well, not everybody, obviously, but people who work at Starbucks are then coming out and telling their tales about how they've been banned from wearing anything that supports the movement. It's like, that is, like, that is performative allyship at its finest. Like, I think there's been so many cases at the moment of, like, I want to say kind of like tokenism and then, like, solidarity so i think so many businesses now are kind of just dragging out their black employees putting them at the front and being like look, look, look you you can release a statement about how we're really diverse it's like you know when like university um like brochures kind of take all the minorities put them in a picture to show that they're diverse yeah it's like you can't just put a picture up and call yourself diverse what you're actually doing behind the scenes and i think that's kind of where um with a lot of businesses now we're seeing how performative they are. I mean, the example that stands out the most to me is L'Oreal. Um, <laughs> so, like, L'Oreal um, posted something about how, like, Black Lives Matter and all this stuff about how um, they're supporting the movement. But literally, what was it, two years ago that they fired Monroe Bergdorf for speaking out about Black Lives Matter, like, a black trans woman they fired for speaking out about this and now they're saying oh yeah black lives matter we need to care about it like it's just I don't, so it, honestly it's actually like a caricature of performativity like i don't understand how you can be so outright performative and think that you can just get away with it i think what annoys me about stuff like that again is that they're fully aware of what i hate it they're like fully aware of what they've done like they're not stupid mm-hmm. they actively fired her and then 
with it and it's like did how did you not think that this was going to come up if you'd come out and said something like in the past we have blah 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 and now we are it's completely different when you show that you've made mistakes and you're trying to learn but when you just pretend that it doesn't exist people don't forget i think people forget that people do not forget yeah i think the good thing that did actually come out of this whole story though is that initially i think because i mean i followed Monroe, so i saw her um, reactions to it but since that has all happened like Monroe and l'oreal have clearly been talking behind the scenes and they have like this new president who is actually willing to talk and make a change so Monroe has now been like rehired again and has actually been able to fulfill her contract initially where she was working with l'oreal but still like just because you've gone we're firing you now we're talking out oh we'll hire you back like no you can't forget actually what happened I think no, exactly. it's so easy to just be like oh no it's okay like look where we've changed let's hire you and it is important to accept an apology and move forward I think that's so important with like cancel culture but with something so like in your face performative I think it's so important to actually acknowledge it yeah, hundred percent. Because otherwise, you're just being what I saw people replacing it as as like corporate sympathy. Mm, that's such a good term. And I was like, <laughs> I, when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is um, hitting the nail like right on the head. Um, you can't. I've seen like a lot of things like a Nike have done it. They did that. It's it's very much. It's very easy to be like. Again, it's difficult because you don't know what they're doing offline. I feel like companies, maybe not companies, companies should tell you but like they don't have to be like they could be doing stuff behind the scenes that you don't know about again mm-hmm. we don't know but just to post I think it's just because they just posted this like just do it like video and mm-hmm. again it's one it markets them regardless I think mm-hmm. that's, that's weird it markets the company regardless of whether they're doing it to promote some like to promote the cause they're still marketing themselves ultimately mm-hmm. it's like, oh we support them so like you should buy our shoes yeah it is, it's, it's, again, like, they have an agenda, don't they? Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. But I think it's um it's so easy for a company to, like, just change its logo or to show, do something that shows solidarity. I think it's something that happens with Pride as well. Like, so many companies have changed their logo to the, like, rainbow flag, like, the, the Pride mm-hmm. flag and stuff, and just like, oh, yeah, we, we're supporting, like, LGBTQ plus rights or we're we're part of this wider um like group that's showing solidarity but actually it's so easy just to change a logo and not do anything exactly you can't do something without following up with action i think that is something that so many companies are still yet to learn i think it's all about it's about um again it's always it's always about action and you've seen that like this is really, especially like with George Floyd, it's started this like movement in companies now where like companies are pledging money towards like, um, is it Colour for Change and like the NAMP and like um, all those kind of movements and like the bail projects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you've got um, people sharing their stories and it's like obviously doing, it's doing a lot of like benefit because it is changing the dynamics of the way like people have, like, I think Leona Lewis posted something about her, how she's been, had racism, and, like, um, Leanne from, Leanne? Yeah, Leanne from yeah. Little Mix. And even companies in general, like, I've seen a lot on LinkedIn. That sounds so nerdy. Um, I've seen a lot <laughs> of people saying, like, companies saying they'll willingly share mm-hmm. just 
for people they have who are of who are black asian or like other ethnicities and they're going to be really transparent with the fact that they obviously do hold um more white people in higher positions and power to show how they're going to make that change i thought that was quite good to be open about the fact that they're being formative is that the word I yeah want? it's it's opening the door for change even if it is it's going to take a while like happen overnight no yeah. i think that is such an important thing everybody's part of a cog i think that's the thing like one person on their own isn't going to make much difference, but lots of people together, slowly moving forward, that's how we make a change. It's a good analogy for it, actually. Thank you. <laughs> that's the thing that worries me as well. Like, it seems like a bandwagon at the moment when, like, the tension disappears. How are people going to, you know, show, like, how are they going to make change and stuff like that? Are they going to read more information about Black Lives Matter? What? Like that. That's the thing. I think it's going to be it's going to be testament to see, especially like within our small communities, rather than like the wider, because the wider is always going to be doing things that you never know. Like there's all these charities and all these organisations are still going to be fighting for things like this. Like Sean King, I don't know if you've seen him on Instagram. He po- has been posting for like years and years and years and years and years about stuff like this. But like it's whether we can keep the momentum in our own group, and I think that's the um, that's our job as a as individuals to continue to have these conversations because it's important to have conversations like we we'll obviously we talk all the time so like we're not always having conversations about this obviously but this is always a topic that we're discussing um and i'm having conversations with a lot of my like my black friends about it because that's what we do not all the time but like in general mm-hmm. but it's important that like the people that we don't usually talk to about things we're still like Hello, how's this going? No, it's it is it's so I think the whole point of like this movement is it's made it so evident how important it is to talk and to educate each other. I think it's just so important to realise though that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like it's gonna take time, we're gonna have to talk to each other, but then we all then need to go and talk to people who we wouldn't normally talk to about it. Like it's all well and good us chatting, but we talk about this normally. It's then going and talking to our like our peers or our family who maybe are a bit more closed off about these kind of conversations and educating them and then encouraging them to go educate themselves and maybe have that conversation with somebody else and then it becomes like a domino effect and one little conversation with just us three all of a sudden becomes conversation that's opened up to such a wider group and that's that's how you'll see the change happen and I think it's one of those things where like it's uncomfortable to talk about but unfortunately Mm -hmm. like we're privileged enough to not have to experience it, so we've got to talk about it. We'll never experience it on the levels black people do. Being even just being half black doesn't means, and being half white means that I'm always going to be privileged in some sense to never have to experience things like that. But just because like I can't change my race doesn't mean I can't like change what I'm going to do to try and like fight that systemic racism that's in like the world. I guess like I can do something even if it's little, to kind of make a change somewhere in my life.